Yeah, you were thinking of Father Bouquet, who is the uh, president of the uh, Human Life International. Of which you used to be a member. Well, no, no, I worked for American Life League, but uh, I have been a very close ally of Human Life International for a very long time. D didn't he speak at our international conference on uh, population control? Yes, he did. Okay, that's where I remember him from. But well, no, he did not. It was um, it was a, a gentleman who works for him named Brian Close. Okay, I interviewed somewhere though, Father Shannon Bouquet, uh, somewhere around uh, around the uh, the. We did this in 2017, right? I believe so. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, the International Conference on Population Control. Michael threw, um, uh, and we had an awesome cast of presenters. You even had Bishop Athanasius Schneider. John Henry Weston, um, uh, Philip Jamanji, all the way live from uh, Nigeria, Judy Brown. Who else did we have? Uh, let's see. We had, um, that was such a while ago. <laughs> I, I, I gave the major, uh, of course, you, you presented. Um, I think I gave the, uh, who, uh, there was another, uh, for, uh, did Ferrara present? I want to say Chris Ferrara presented. No, he, he didn't. No. Um, Brother Andre Marie, I think. No, he was he was the next one. Um, In any event, it's a, it was a great event. Um, uh, and for that event, I interviewed Father Bouquet, who has a piece at the uh, this morning. Uh, the uh, Mrs. O'Connell goes, "Hey, the Federalist even has a Catholic priest that wrote a piece at the Federalist." U.S. funding pushes the world's poor brown people to kill their own kids. Yep. Well, this is a, a a subject near and dear to your heart. September the 26th is, there's such a thing as World Contraception Day and International Safe Abortion Day? Apparently. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it was uh, connected to Planned Parenthood or, or one of those outfits, but uh, yeah. So Father Bouquet says on World Contraception Day, that's September the 26th, an international safe abortion day. There's no such thing as a safe abortion if you're the victim. If you're right. the child, it's not very safe. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's, 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 it's the least safe thing you could ever do. The culture of death celebrates its efforts to depopulate the world. The Biden regime must publicly denounce the racist agenda behind its domestic and global policies regarding sexual and reproductive health. Um, and now this doesn't directly uh, reflect on the work of the Lepanto Institute, but this is something that I know that you're familiar with. Familiar with. Did you know that Senator Tommy Tuberville, one of the uh, the reasons that he was holding up those nominations for the uh, one of the guys, uh, military dudes, was going to go on to lead or be in some one of the department heads of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Uh, there was two Air Force generals. Uh, I think it was a total of five he was protesting he, he was saying like no because there is a return of funding to pepfar and i went the only person that i know that knows anything about pepfar is michael hitchburn mm -hmm. what is can you tell our listeners what pepfar is sure pepfar stands for the president's emergency plan for aids relief uh it was started in the early 2000s under the bush administration and it's been very strongly supported by many on our side when it really should never have been supported by many on our side, uh, including Congressman Chris Smith, who has a great record when it comes to fighting against abortion. But the problem is that PEPFAR, from its very inception, has been very strongly promoting contraception, uh, primarily condoms, but uh, they work with USAID on, on dispensing contraception. Uh, and graphic, graphic sex education programs for young kids. And this is just something that we hear about all the time. These sex, these supposedly, this is not sex education. It's letting them view pornography, and it's not education, it's instruction. Right. Well, it's, it's indoctrination is what it is. And then you see some of this, you know that uh, there's a, um, 
let's see, we had about 35 men showed up Saturday to pray all 15 decades of the rosary, complete with Sacred Heart flags and uh, La Bannière Louisianaise. That's the new flag of the uh, of Louisiana that Norman Fauché, our buddy Norman Fauché, uh, designed uh, with uh, Ross McKnight, the cancel farmer, guiding him. Our flags were flying, our Vendée flag. We had men out there, 35 of us. Those books are in our library, Michael. Yeah. And this is the most Republican, white bread, wealthy congressional district in the entire United States. Steve Scalise wins re-election every time like 86 to 14. It's not even close. Um, it is the Louisiana's bougie, uh, bourgeoisie, and all of our bougie developments are here in the parish in which you call it a county, we call it a parish properly, uh, where we live. And in our library, all three of the books that have been singled out, the the, the, the hated books that show the, the kitty porn, gender queer is one of them. It was so bad when Senator Kennedy of Louisiana read pages of it in a Senate uh, hearing on, on the matter. The local news stations, Fox News and the National News, had to bleep it out. That book is in our library. And while we were out there peacefully playing the rosary, flying our flags, we had a couple of signs saying error has no rights and other ones. We were heckled by four individuals and all four of them were women. And I told, our, I told the guys, I'm like, you know why? Because it is ultimate insult to the Blessed Virgin Mary. It is the example of Mary that they hate. And that's what they, when they drive by and they heckle us and they scream at us, freedom to read. I'm like, not for nine-year-olds, no. Um, so this stuff is happening. There's no place, Michael, where it's not happening that I know of. No, you're right. I mean, back in, uh, gosh, I want to say is, when was this, 2011, 2012? When I was working for American Life League, I produced and performed provided a, um, a video that I did uh, titled Hooking Kids on Sex. Mm. And the whole program was showing how Planned Parenthood has an indoctrination program targeted specifically at children to get them interested and active to activate the latency portion of their, their brains mm. uh, with regard to their sexual development so that they become interested in sex at a younger age. They become hooked on it. Uh, they start with um, masturbation. Then they move on to, uh, you know... Um, uh, fornication. Fornication, thank you. And uh, then they also promote things like uh, sodomy and, and, and all sorts of other things. But the, the point is that they, they want to get them hooked so that they get them... First, they get to sell them contraception and condoms, and then when the condoms and contraception fail, they sell them an abortion. Uh, they sell them STI kits for, for all the different um, diseases that they contract because of their promiscuity. So it's, it's, a, it's a cyclical problem that is created by an organization seeking to fulfill its own industrial needs, which, which is the selling of abortion. And this is uh, now. People don't think of these uh, these things. There's, another, there's a shocking story that is out. Uh, I only shared the the headline with the uh, with the audience, but the, the this is the fact. This, the, these are the facts that are coming in. There were more abortions last year in the United States that were recorded after Dobbs than there were the year before. So the repeal of Roe. Wow, it's a wonderful, glorious thing, and we're we're all uh, we we all uh, many uh, many of us worked for it, and we want to say that well, this was you know a goal that was met, um, uh, but in the mantra of returning abortion to the states, because we forgot or or, or leaders in the pro life movement forgot it wasn't just the repeal of Roe. It was an end to the legalized killing of the soon to be born, and because we didn't say that. Then when it went back, quote, to the states, uh, close quote, uh, the states that had made and kept it legal just made it more legal. 
Um, and now that's where they are attracting now people to or young women to, to go and have the procedure done. But that that should come as a as a wake up call to all of us that the number of abortions post Dobbs, the repeal of Roe, actually went up last year. Well, it's it's not entirely surprising. I mean, if uh, if we understand the way advertising works and we understand the way human psychology works, what what happens is the Democrats, the uh, the pro-aborts, basically created a fear campaign, mm-hmm. which is it, it's an advertising scheme. So they created a fear campaign based on uh, the overturning of Roe, and that fear campaign was. Suddenly, hey, you're not going to be allowed to get abortions. You're not going to be able to get uh, contraception. If you find yourself pregnant, you need to go get these things right now because those things are going to go away. And people hearing these things went, oh, my gosh, I better go do this. Even if they never really would have considered abortion before, the problem is that because a fear campaign causes people to become irrational – uh, it played on that irrationality, especially those who are, find themselves in a difficult spot, and it played on those fears. Okay, Maggie has found your International Conference on Population Control is October 17, 19, 2017. Discover how radical enemies of life are pushing their global agenda to end poverty by eliminating the poor. Uh, and how they're using the Vatican to achieve their goals. And this was at 1 Peter 5, Bishop Athanasius Schneider, Father Shannon Bouquet, who we're talking about, Stephen Mosier, mm-hmm. Ricardo Cassioli, um, uh, Tori Tedeschi. One of these had to have a translator. Was it Mr. Tedeschi? Uh, that I believe so. I think it was. Yeah. John Henry Weston, uh, Michael H- Hitchburn, and others. You know, and I'm reading from as I'm reading from from Father Shannon's piece here, um, and this is uh, something that you have been warring against at the Lepanto Institute, and many others have been uh, as well here at home. But internationally, you know, this is something that the Trump administration did outlaw the so-called Mexico City policy, right? Um, uh, and the Biden regime has not only uh, reinstated the Mexico uh, or ended the Mexico City policy, it has also like quadrupled the funding for the killing of the soon to be born abroad. Now, you may not remember it, but I do because I have that uh, built in steel trap memory. So I remember listening to Philip Jumanji, Dr. Philip Jumanji from Nigeria, and she wasn't on the program, but he mentioned Oki uh, Noah, uh, 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 I can never pronounce her last name. Oki, uh, uh, she's from Nigeria as well. Uju, uh, Uju. Yeah, yeah, Oki Anochi. That's it. Uju Oki Anochi. You know, one of the things that, and they both said this, and it struck a chord with me, and I never forgot it. They both said, We are Nigerians, man. We live in one of the most fertile places in the world. It is ridiculous that the Western man thinks we can't feed ourselves. They they don't have access to their own land. Right. And this is the West that has conspired with the government of Nigeria to deprive the people, the good people of Nigeria, who, by the way, are converting to the faith in droves. It's one of the countries in Africa where the faith is growing. Um... But they have their property. Their property is confiscated from them. And they are prevented from from farming it and from uh, from husbandry and what have you here. And then you have the Clintons and the rest of the usual suspects go in there, and then they start contrasting, telling the women that they're giving them uh, antibiotics and uh, vaccines when in fact they're giving them Norplant and sterilizing them. So they're being deprived even of the human resources to um, uh, uh, that they need larger families to work the field. Now, at your conference in 2017, that's what Dr. Dimaggi, do you remember? That's what he talked about. Yep, I do. I, I absolutely remember that. And the thing is, and this is something that, that um, hasn't really been fleshed out by too many people, but I, I did a big article on this, gosh, about five years ago. Okay. Um, USAID was created specifically for population control, specifically. And what most people don't realize is that it's actually written into its um, its founding documents. Mm. I want to read you something. Okay. Uh, when it was created in 1961, 
there's a portion of what was called the the um, Foreign Assistance Act. Okay, it's the Foreign Assistance Act of 1980, uh, 1961, which is what created um, USAID. Here's what pa sub paragraph four, subsection B of section 102 says. Okay, it's a, a lot of language, but it's a huge act. Here's what it says. Development assistance provided under this chapter shall be concentrated in countries which will make the most effective use of such assistance to help satisfy basic human needs of poor people through equitable growth, especially in those countries having the greatest need for outside assistance. Mm -hmm. In order to make possible consistent and informed judgments in this respect, the president shall assess the commitment and progress of countries in moving toward the objectives and purposes of this chapter by utilizing criteria, including but not limited to the following. A. Increase in agricultural productivity per unit of land through small farm labor intensive agriculture. B. Reduction of infant mortality. C. Control of population growth. There you go. So, written into the creation of USAID as an incentive for foreign countries to receive USAID funds, they have to report back to the United States uh, proof that they are enacting population control programs. Incredible. It should be noted that USAID is the world's largest funder and distributor of contraception. Mm -hmm. Now, what does the AID stand for? Aid. Aid, because okay, so USAID. Now, this is, an, uh, have you done, have you done reports on USAID? I believe it actually stands for assistance in development. But. <laughs> aid or AIDS. Um, now, it, it seems to me that USAID has come up in some Lepanto Institute reports. Quite a few. Yes. And the reason for that is that uh, USAID is one of the primary funders of Catholic Relief Services. And regularly, CRS goes to Congress on Capitol Hill and lobbies for increased funding for USAID, for uh, the Global Fund, and for PEPFAR every year. I'm gonna, here's, here's something I have. It's a memo or a testimony from William O'Keefe. Okay. Uh, this is from 2020, okay? Or, or actually, it's from 2019 for the fiscal year 2020. And uh, Mr. O'Keefe, he's the Executive Vice President for Mission Mobilization and Advocacy for Catholic Relief Services. And he's, he said, Chair, Chair, uh, Chairwoman Lowy, Ranking Member Rogers... On behalf of Catholic Relief Services, I respectfully request that you increase international poverty-reducing humanitarian relief and development assistance in fiscal year 2020 appropriations. We urge you to prioritize the accounts below according to the levels indicated. And for USAID, they have $845 billion. God. That's, that's for maternal and child health. For HIV and AIDS programs from USAID, which is primarily contraception, $330 billion. Or I'm sorry, $330 million. And the other was $845 million. million, I, million. I put a B instead of an M. That was a, that was a Pelosi size. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly, that was a exactly. Pelosi size roundup there. Yeah. <laughs> Billions of people have been killed. Billions. In, uh, sorry, yeah. Um, for PEPFAR and the Global Fund, they asked Congress to increase funding to $5.93 billion. That's, that is with a B. So, Catholic Relief Services is going to Congress, asking Congress to spend billions of dollars with a B, billions with a B, um, on international aid and and um, development programs. Okay. In return, USAID, PEPFAR, and the Global Fund 
are the primary funders of Catholic Relief Services. It's a little bit of a quid pro quo. Personally, I think that it should be a um, it should be forbidden for organizations receiving funding from USAID, PEPFAR, and the Global Fund to lobby Congress because there is a conflict of interest. Okay. Of course, they're incentivized to go lobby mm-hmm. because they're the ones benefiting. Yep. So it's uh, it's pretty gross that they are going in and and, and uh, lobbying for this. But they never, ever mention the fact that PEPFAR Global Fund and USAID are spending a lot of that money, the large portions of that money, promoting contraception and, and graphic sex education, of which... Which is CRS a contraception is part- in and of itself. Yeah, well, CRS is also part uh, participating in that. That's They're right. helping to distribute uh, those condom and contraception promoting programs. Uh, the, one of the primary examples of this is a, a project of PEPFAR called uh, DREAMS, D-R-E-A-M-S. And uh, through DREAMS, CRS implemented this program in various countries. One of the primary purposes of DREAMS is to increase the use of contraception among young women. And CRS tries to exempt itself and says, well, you know, we're, we're, on, we're not doing that part of it. That part's done by others. Except for the fact that CRS is enrolling young girls in the program and the whole program is integrated, which means everybody is responsible for ensuring that, that references to the other parts of the program are open and free. So CRS is saying, well, you know, our hands aren't dirty with the contraception, except you're funneling girls to that part of the program. <laughs> you can't exempt your... Fr- you can't exempt yourself from it. And, and and by the way, these kids that are being sex trafficked that are uh, when they get to the age of maturity and the and they have the uh, the power to bring new life into this world, um, it would only make sense for the d- demonic hordes that are responsible for this that they would need access to the world's greatest forms of easily administrable contraceptions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you think that this isn't related to what we've been talking about with the sex trade and with the uh, the kidnapping of children and uh, then uh, the sex trafficking or the clip I played right before the from POTUS 45, Trump knows about it. Trump mm-hmm. said he would bring it into sex trafficking to the trafficking of children. They're not, they're not trafficked to be the, the little slaves in little sweat, sweatshops. They're trafficked to be sex slaves. He knows all about it, obviously. Um, you know, there was hardly a week that went by when he was when, when he was president, Michael, that mm-hmm. he, uh, there would be, and uh, we, uh, we would follow them and we would cover them and we would announce them, that there would be some announcement from some, some sheriff's department across the United States that was announcing that um, in cooperation with the U.S. Marshals, um, that they had that they had broken up another child sex trafficking ring. Right. And the list of small cities that you would never think that this was happening in was staggering. Um, uh, and uh, the Trump administration was making war on the child sex traffickers. He was making life miserable for these people, which is one of the reasons why they had to get rid of him. Yep. So there's so much about this that I, I, that I want to I get into here. Uh, time, of course, always limits us. But since uh, Father Bouquet brought, brought this up, about the, the Kissinger report, uh, which is subtitled Implications of Worldwide Population Growth for U.S. Security and Overseas Interest. That title is monstrous. Yeah. You mean, you, you, you're, you mean to tell me that the, 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 the people of the United States are under the threat? And, we, and in order to secure our national security, we must subdue the populations of what we call third world nations. And we actually do raise the money or tax the money out of people and then send it over there and they actually implement it? What kind of, what, what, what kind of madness? What kind of evil is this? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's the kind of evil that we've come to expect from the federal government. Um, it just goes to show that this this ideology, this wicked ideology, has been around for quite some time, and people need to catch up and and start realizing that when they start talking about 
contraception for reducing poverty. They're really talking about population control. They're just changing the nomenclature in order to put a, a, a cleaner face on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it, it really just boils down to population control. And if we were to <laughs> – if, if another country were to do this to the United States, it would be viewed as an act of war. But they already are. But they are doing it. Of course they are. I, I mean, mean they, we're doing they it don't, to ourselves. We, we right? do it to ourselves. Yeah. You contracepted yourself. <laughs> right. Um, Michael Hitchborn of the Lepanto Institute at L-E-P-A-N-T-O-I-N. If you have any interest in all this, go to his website. You can you can read into to your heart's content at lepantoin.org. You know, a thought occurred to me since um, September the 26th is World Contraception Day. And September the 28th is International Safe Abortion Day. You know what? The Lepano Institute should team up with the Crusade Channel and LifeSite News. You got two media partners right there. And we should declare someday, coming up soon, World Fertility Day. Yes. And, and uh, I'll go on with John Henry. You'll go on with John Henry. John Henry will go on with me. <laughs> we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get Father Bouquet, and we'll broadcast this thing around. Enough of this. you got to fight back. You can't just sit back and go like, well, that's terrible. No, 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 no. If this requires positive action in, uh, in response, don't you think? We'll call it World Fruitful and Multiply Day. Yeah. <laughs> I like that even better. World Fruitful and Multiply Day. <laughs> all right, let's do it. I'm gonna. I'm, okay, I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna start nagging you about this. Uh, all right. All right. Hey, we'll 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 do World Fruitful and Multiply Day. <laughs> Look, we'll have people signing up all around the. Uh, we'll we'll have World Fruitful and Multiply Month. How about December? Our Lord is born in December, after all. That's fruitful and multiplication. That, that, that was a, a, a different kind of being fruitful. Well, uh, the church's tradition is that the world was created on March 25th. Okay, so it, March. Let's plan it for March. Yeah. Okay. March 2024 will be World Fruitful and Multiply Month. But I have go. a specific day. I like it. Uh, 844-527-8723 or call in line telephone number 844-5-CRUSADE. No, I don't know if you saw this. We'll know that we're successful when we have a bunch of Christmas babies. (laughs) 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 All named after saints. Yes. Stop making names up, you people. Stop it. There's a reason why the 12 apostles' names were like pretty much the only names. You may have a new, an Old Testament name thrown in there. For example, uh, someone the other day was having trouble pronouncing Japheth. And I'm like, that's not hard to pronounce. You can't pronounce Japheth. Uh, one of one of uh, Noah's sons, uh, uh, of course. You may have an Abraham or a David thrown in there, or a uh, uh, Joseph is an Old Testament name, right? Um, uh, they're, 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 they're biblical names, I, I guess we should say. But the names that people are coming up with <laughs> these days, it's like there's a reason why. Those names were so popular. There are so many Johns, for example. Uh, so many Michaels. You and I are named for an archangel. Right, and absolutely. There, and there, there's, there, there's a very good reason for that. But uh, I, I want to just pivot uh, quickly here for a moment. I don't know if you saw this, but Volodymyr Zelensky oh, no. has appointed Marina Abramovic... Oh, yeah, I saw that. As as a Ukraine ambassador to the U.N. from Ukraine, and he has put her in charge of rebuilding the schools of Ukraine. (laughs) And I'm going like, you, they're just now, and I've been talking about this for like five hours now between yesterday and today's show. Uh, You're just now rubbing the world's nose in it that the Satan-worshipping, spirit-cooking, adrenochrome, guzzling, lunatic, harlot, strumpets of the world out there, you're now just daring people to go like, oh, yeah, yeah, I did that. What are you going to do about it? There is a photograph. Uh, I I kept this open uh, so I could refer to it. 
This is from the. Uh, I'm going to send you the link so you can see it, and, we, and you and I can talk about it. This is from an article at. Um, I think it's. Let me send you the link. All right, open that up, and you'll see at the top of the page. Okay. This is from an article from um, wallpaper.com. Marina Abramovic in London, death, Maria Callas, or Callas, and breaking the rules of opera. Ahead of her dramatic operatic takeover in London, we spoke to Marina Abramovic about Seven Debts, her multifaceted homage to soprano Maria Callas. It's not an homage to Maria Callas unless Maria Callas was a fire-breathing strumpet from hell. Um, it is, a, and if you scroll through the, uh, if you can stomach it, if you scroll through the uh, the, oh. actual, the actual photographs uh, from the opera, co-starring Willem Dafoe, you know, we should all know, and I should know this, anything that has Willem Dafoe in it, you probably shouldn't watch. I mean, this is the guy, he was cast as our Lord in The Last Temptation of Christ. That blasphemy, right? Yep. Well, it seems like his Masonic deal with uh, the Illuminati and the demons um, uh, is still in effect. You see the photograph at the top of the page? Yep. That's Defoe with two pythons strapped around his neck. One of them, uh, and this one isn't strapped around his neck, uh, one of them, he is about to take the tail end of it and is about to put it around Abramovic's neck. Yep. Have you ever seen now, now, look, that is straight-up satanic imagery there. Well, look at the wall behind them. Looks like they're in some sort of dungeon or even a uh, like a, a, an old rusty warehouse. Yeah, right, right. And the people of uh, of the of the UK apparently turned out in droves for this evil. Scroll down and look at the second photograph of her and uh, the white gown sitting on the uh, on mm -hmm. the red on the red couch with yeah, it looks like a, a corpse wearing a wedding dress. I think that's what it's supposed to be—a corpse wearing a wedding dress. Scroll down a little further, and you'll see that she is in uh, some sort of a uh, bed, and there's Defoe at the uh, bedside. Now go down to the next one. That's Defoe in drag mm -hmm. as the woman, complete. Well, that with, wouldn't be the first time, right? No, complete with fake boobs and Abramovic as the man. Yep. And something that looks to me to be designed to mock the priesthood. Um, and then there is the scroll all the way down, and you will see the, the, the piece of artwork that she did with the serpent that's basically coming. Uh, she's wrapped up. There are snakes coiled all around her with the serpent coming out of her mouth. Oh, gosh. And now, Michael, you and I go way back talking about this, and we've had great, many great bourbon-fueled conversations about this, you and I. I don't think Hans Rudy Geiger could come up with this crap. Uh. <laughs> this is worse than Hans Rudy Geiger. I mean, and Geiger was straight up demonic porn. Well, yeah, it was. He was Satan. He was satanic. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. This is well. This is this is satanic on another level. I mean, so Giger's stuff was primary, and I was I just finished looking at that stuff. So Giger's stuff was. Um, it was sexual, sexual Satanism. Uh, what he did is he combined the organic with the technological, showed them in positions with literal Baphomet. So you can actually see the, the three-horned creature called Baphomet mm. embedded into the imagery. And along mm. with that, you mm. had the sexual technological stuff. So he had phallic imagery. He had, uh, uh, well, female anatomy in there. Um, and it was all kind of intertwined. What Abramovich has done, his stuff was, I mean, it was satanic in a, in an overt sense. Abramovich's stuff is more akin to voodoo and witchcraft. So what we're looking at here in those images isn't so much, you don't see Baphomet, you don't see like, uh, pentagram or anything overtly expressing sat Satanism, okay. qua Satanism. Right. What you see is something with sexual overtones that is expressing 
an occultic ideology, specifically through the serpent. And if if you understand voodoo, if you understand the old cults of uh, of Babylon, mm-hmm. the old mystery cults, this is the darkest kind of black magic that you can possibly attach yourself to. And this is where the worst of the demons come and and possess people through. So it's Giger's you're right. Giger's stuff is terrifying on a particular level because it it elicits a visceral um fear reaction within the viewer. Right, right. This does not. This is more disturbing on a fundamental level. And it's disturbing because the the viewer doesn't necessarily understand what they're looking at. And as you if you do understand what the the occult stuff symbolizes in what what we're seeing in these images, then the the true horror what you're seeing is is discovered because Abram, Abramovich is basically telegraphing to the world, yes, I am a witch, and yes, these things are real s- spells that I am <laughs> casting. And by the way, let me just, uh, for the audience, uh, Michael Hitchborn of the Lepanto Institute, uh, another uh, a visit with with Michael here on a Tuesday. Find our previous episodes uh, on the New Christendom Daily Podcast, f- free of charge, at crusademax.com. And uh, on the website at crusadechannel.com. Let me just walk you, uh, the audience, through a, a couple of things when you go, oh, come on, you guys are just a little out of control. There's a little bit over the top. That, that She's not doing that. That's just It's just what they call performance art these days. And it, this is relatively harmless, etc., etc., etc. The title of the play is "The Death of Maria Callas." Mm-hmm. Okay, so you have the BVM's name. You have Mary in the title, right? Seven deaths of Maria Callas. Seven but, sorrows. Uh, seven sorrows. Mr. Hitchburn, uh, how many sacraments are there? Seven. Seven. We know that seven is a holy number. We know that our Lord uses it to teach. We know that in Holy Scripture it is, is also used to teach. It is important when it, when it appears. Read St. Augustine on the importance of the number seven. Um, uh, we also know that, as Michael said, the seven dollars of Mary, the seven sorrows, this is just taking the seven sorrows and demonizing it. It's, it's making them satanic. Well, that's that's the nature of witchcraft, is that it's, right. in, it's an inversion of the truth. Um, and and people may be uh, may be wondering why why spend any time why talk about this, folks? You don't. <laughs> I guess most people are are, are asleep and, and just uh, don't know this, and they wonder what well, well why do you do this? Because someone has to do it. They should all be doing it. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> let's let's face it. Demons are real. Yeah, they actually <laughs> exist. Um, there's a science fiction show from back in the 90s called Babylon 5. Did you ever see that? I did see Babylon 5. Okay, so you remember the Shadow Empire? Oh gosh, it's been so long. Now I'm going to have to go binge binge watch some Babylon 5. Well, the whole premise was that there was a, a, a dark and ancient race called the Shadows that were, um, they, they're basically demons. They're invisible, but they can influence, and they do give power to those who will enact their will. I mean, it's it's basically <laughs> they're they're demons, uh, aliens. Yeah, they're demons. Um, but the uh, the whole premise of the idea is that demons are real. They are real beings. They have a real intellect. They have actual influence. They have been granted by God the ability to affect things going on in this world. That's right. I mean, in, in 1880, or I think it was 1888, uh, Pope Leo XIII had that, that locution where he heard the conversation between the devil and our Lord. And the conversation was, if I had more time and more power, I could destroy your church. And Christ said, how much time, how much power? He said, between 75 and 100 years, and more power over those who would give themselves over to me. And Jesus said, you have the time, you have the power, do with it what you will. Okay. So, 
in effect, here's what happened. The devil asked God to have more power in the world. Two years later, in 1890, a couple of people go to the U.S. Patent Office, and they patent the Ouija board. The Ouija board. I knew that's where you were going with that part of it. Okay. Do you realize how many people purchase and use the Ouija board? Oh, gosh, there's over a million of them. Uh, try hundreds of millions. Hundreds of millions of direct doorways yep. for demons to go right through. You know, they made a they made a film about them. I, I, I have one more thing, on, uh, or at least one more thing about Marina Abramovich. But they made a film about this. They actually, they made it once and it was kind of poorly done. And then they got a decent director. I want to say James, Justin, who did the second Ouija board? I want to say James Wan did it. Um, and then they remade pretty much the same film and they put it in the hands of someone who was a decent director and they made Ouija 2. And that one is the one that's terrifying. That one is <laughs> that was a Mike Church hiding behind his his hands, hiding his eyes behind his hands for <laughs> certain scenes because I didn't want to see it. Um, so they actually made a movie, uh, a pair of movies uh, about the Ouija board. And in the second one, they pretty much get it right. The mother is getting divorced. There, it's pretty much William Peter Blatty's real script of The Exorcist, if you know the real story. Oh, yeah. The mother's going through a divorce, and the father is absent from the house, and she's trying to, uh, she's, she's trying to, to, to care for one of the, uh, she's trying to discipline and bring up correctly with the teenage kid, the daughter who is getting out of control and wants to, wants to rebel and wants to revolt. And uh, ultimately, she, uh, the, the friend brings a Ouija board over and they played a Ouija board. Uh, it's been a couple of years since I've seen the film, but I remember reviewing it here on the uh, on the show and going like that. Look, they pretty much got this thing right, and it's a warning for anyone that watches that uh, that uh, that film about what can happen if you bring one of those things into your house. Now, let's go back to Abramovich for just a moment, quickly, before I forget. I went and looked this up. So. The Seven Deaths of Maria Callas. This is her creation. This is not a remake of some classical opera. If you go to the, uh, if you go to IMDb to go look the the Seven Deaths of Maria Callas, uh, Marina Abramovich play up or opera, up, you will find this. Now listen to this. You mentioned uh, our, our Lady of the Seven Dollars, Our Lady of Sorrows. A suite of seven videos were made to promote the film titled, are you ready? Mm. Burning, Knifing, Jumping, Harry Carry, Strangulation, Consumption, and Madness. It's kind of a version of the seven deadly sins, if you will, um, uh, with the strangulation, the knifing, and the jumping thrown in. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a recipe. These are suicide recipes, basically. Right. This is how you can remove yourself from this life because it's so miserable. And God created you for some other purpose, and it's not the one that, uh, that that you think that it is or that you are struggling with or whatever. And I'm and I, I, you know, I'm reading this, and I'm, I'm looking at this. I'm not going to watch the videos. This was an international sensation. The usual suspects, the ones who go to the spirit cooking seances and what have you, and parties, they all went gaga over this. This is a calling card to the world that, hey, look at me. I am Satan's strumpet. I have been put here. I am the female version of what you're going to call Antichrist here soon. I have come to prepare the way, basically. She's basically St. Jane, the un, uh, the Anabaptist here. Um, and now the United States of America, NATO, the United Nations, are now going, they probably were doing it previously some other, uh, through some other manner anyway, are now going to officially be pouring money into the bank account of Marina Abramovich and her Satanists. There's just something wrong with and Zelensky's going to put her in charge of children. What could possibly go right? 
Right. You know, I, I was just looking up uh, Maria Callas, and she was a real person. Mm-hmm. Um, she was an opera singer from Greece. Okay. Uh, I think she died in 1970-something. Um, when did she die? She died in 77 at the age of 53. Uh, and it's interesting. Uh, she seems to have been connected with the uh, the Kennedys. Um, Aristotle Onassis had an affair with Callus, which is interesting. That's interesting. Um, but the I, I was I was just kind of skimming through this, and I'm going to have to do a little bit more digging on her because I'm wondering why. Uh, Abramovich chose her as the central focus of her performance. Uh, I don't know what else to call it, but uh, I, I wonder why she chose her. Well, um, okay, I just clicked on the Seven Deaths of Maria Callas and Joyce Di, Di Donato live in concert. Re, uh, reviews, divas past and preve, uh, present. Um, you find uh, this... Uh, the uh, the arias are eloquently sung, but the giant film images sees our focus and it's about the play now, or the opera, and mm-hmm. together with the introductory narrations make the deaths explicit. In the uh, tra- uh, Traviata sequence, Miss Abramovich expires in bed. The other six grow progressively more violent and grotesque. In Ave Maria, she is strangled by a giant snake. Come on! I mean, come on! Who wow. who even allows this? <laughs> I only stumbled on it because I was going to do a I was going to do a, a, a follow up to Liz Crokin's uh, Pizzagate uh, Part Six and uh, the discussion yesterday about Abramovic. Um, now that I've <laughs> you're on air, you've heard it live here and digging into this, they sing Ave Maria and then she is. Strangled by a giant snake. You scroll down further, and though this is the Wall Street Journal's entertainment lifestyle section, um, uh, da, 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 da. Hera Heisung Park emphasized Violetta's fragility and Adio del Passato and vulnerability. Celine Zanetti made Tosca's pleading in Visi di Art a poignant contrast to the oddly serene film of Miss Abramovic falling in slow motion from a tall building. Leah Hawkins exuded resignation in the Ave Maria. Desdemona knew she was ready, is is the quote. Um, And from the rest of that, this is basically heaping praise on this. Yeah. Right there on the pages of uh, September the 15th, 2020. So this came uh, to, I guess, to New York in, in September of, uh, of, of 2020. Um, uh, and listen to this. In a pre-recorded Zoom call, the Mezzo chatted with Sister Helen Prejean, who wrote about her crusade against the death penalty and dead man walking. So now they've got the heretic. Sister Helen uh, uh, Prejean, played by, oh, what's that broad's name? Um, um, Tim Robbins' wife, Susan Sarandon. Oh, gosh. And that awful, 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 awful film with Sean Penn on it, Dead Man Walking. Uh, <laughs> this is just amazing. It's just stunning here. Right in broad daylight now, they did, they basically defy you. Go ahead. Fight our, fight our Satanist. They are, we're telling you now, we're putting them in control, and we're giving them access to the children. Yep. Unbelievable. Oh, but we're disturbing the peace when we're praying rosaries in front of libraries. Right. Something tells me that you may be writing something about Marina Abramovic soon. <laughs> um, we'll see. I mean, she's uh, she's kind of a category unto herself. Well, I think that the category is, uh, you know, you, last on the last program, you and I talked about uh, Alistair Crowley. 
Um, yep. She was a, a very, very young disciple of Crowley. This is known before he died. Um, you know, she, she, she got on the map by, well, what did she do? She did her performance art. You know, she had the, 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 uh, the altar of, of hor hor horrible implements, knives, rakes, grates, straps, maces, you name it, and then locked the doors and locked people inside in her performance art. And the performance art was you could take any implement on the table and do anything you wanted to her. Right. Yeah. So uh, uh, this is after her meeting with or after um, her uh, rendezvous or whatever with Crowley here. It's just amazing here that the Satanists of the world uh, are just there out there. They're popular. They are completely and totally unafraid. They certainly don't fear the Catholic Church any longer, do they? No, certainly not. Do you know, if there's a, a documentary, you people can go watch it. I don't recommend it, but I watched it maybe about 10 years ago before I got religion because I thought H.R. Uh, Geiger, Hans Rudy Geiger, uh, oh, he's a cool artist that gave us the alien heads for the alien movie. If you go look at some of those other drawings of the aliens, uh, there's some sex going on there. Uh, we've only, we only see the one. And, and is, is it a coincidence that the Catholic Church hating Ridley Scott used you say Ge you say Geiger or Geiger you say Geiger it's Geiger Geiger use Geiger's artwork as the basis for the movie Alien A Aliens absolutely uh, so there's a documentary out there you go watch it uh, about uh, Hans Rudy Geiger that's his name H.R. Geiger Hans Rudy Geiger there's a part of the movie where the uh, the person that made the documentary asked him um, uh, about his early work which is really satanic uh, just uh -huh. and, and, and there's just filled with violence and bondage and stuff asked him about uh, his early work and how um, how it was received, because you know he started this in the '60s, in the, in the yep. late '60s, early '70s, and yep. Hans Rudi Geiger said that when he first began, that he did run into opposition. He was speaking in, I, I want to say, is he is he a German or an Austrian? Uh Geiger. He's Swiss. I think he's Swiss. He, is he Swiss? Well, he was speaking in French. Because uh, he said, and you and you could hear Ecclesia, uh, uh, what is it, Iglesia, Iglesia Catholica, Catholica Iglesia in French, in French, in mm -hmm. French. And you can hear him saying, of course, they had the subtitles translating it here. Yes, yes, I was met with opposition and was banned by the Catholic Church. Yep. Now this is way back in the day. No one's going to enforce that ban or has any sort of a of, a, of even attempt. Why isn't this? Is why you need an index because Marina Abramovich would be on the index, wouldn't she? Be she'd be a number one hit on the index. Uh, absolutely. Um, and this is why, folks. This is why the church. So would Rupnik, by the way. <laughs> What's that? So would Rupnik, Father Rupnik. Who's Father Rupnik? Father Rupnik, he's the one who who's designed all the artwork for the various synods, and he's he's a sexual deviant that oh. Pope Francis has has rehabilitated. As uh, he rehabilitated, or yeah, exactly. As <laughs> he as he reengaged, he's redirected him. Or or Archbishop Fernandez, who was made head of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, who wrote that book on kissing. Yes. He'd, he'd also be on the index. And if you're wondering what the index is, this is a great project for those of you that are homeschoolers. You should look it up. You should look it up. The index ended when? when like 1965 or something? Mm-hmm. It, it didn't really end. They just stopped adding names to it. Right. So what would happen is the church or the, the, someone would come out with a heretical satanic work or whatever. And it might even be something that seemed totally inno innocuous. Well, some Catholic would pick it up and go like, okay, this doesn't look right. And would bring it to their bishop. The bishop would look at it and go, oh, like hell. <laughs> and the, the bishop would then contact the, uh, the, uh, the author or the artist or whatever and say, look, do you want to change this? Because I'm getting ready to send this to Rome. And there are many instances, for example, you know, we have the works of Hobbes. We have Leviathan. Leviathan was condemned. Did you know oh, that? That's right. Yeah. Hobbes' Leviathan was condemned. Well, how do right. we have any copies of it? 
Well, because it got printed, and then it got condemned, and then Hobbes, who didn't want to be publicly called a heretic, imagine that, the church had such authority then, that people didn't want to be known as heretics. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I mean, it was like walking around with the uh, with Scarlet A, if you will. Um, uh, and then uh, the, uh, the, the the work Leviathan was withdrawn at the insistence. I want to say it was by, it was by Pius V. Because it's somewhere up in that time frame. It's around that time frame. In any event, he didn't want to be put on the index. Neither did, Gal neither did Newton. Neither right. did Galileo. Of course, Newton and Galileo weren't put on the index. Um, uh, but Hobbes was. Leviathan is de was definitely is on the you know index. Who else was put on the index? Who? Alexander Dumas. Oh, uh, Don Quixote. No, no, that's... Um, uh, he was Spanish. Uh, Alexander Dumas was uh, Three Musketeers, the the uh, right. man in the Iron Mask. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. what 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 was what was heretical about uh, the, the uh, about the Three Musketeers? Was the Three Musketeers were, were they three? Well, they because were, they were uh, kind of antiheroes. I mean, right? They, they were, you know, lecherous and and uh, all the stuff that goes along with that. So they, I mean, they were not. Virtuous men. No. Okay. Um, but also the uh, the Count of Monte Cristo was a story of revenge. So uh, now, now Don Quixote was written by what was that guy? Was is it Dugas? No, no, no. Who no. wrote Don, uh, Don Quixote? Come on, Mike. I should know this. I do know this. I just can't remember. So the. <laughs> So was the Three Musketeers bar on the index? Miguel Cervantes. <laughs> Cervantes, that's a Cervantes. So is the Three Musketeers bar on the index? <laughs> I, I believe it is. It should, it should be, right? Yeah. And people may be wondering, well, wh wh what was his index? What was an index of forbidden works? Yep. If you were a practicing Catholic, you were not upon pain of excommunication. You were forbidden from reading them. Now, you could read them for educational reasons, right? There are certain circumstances under which you could read them. Right, and and usually under the direction of a spiritual director. A spiritual director, but right. you had to get permission. So you know you couldn't. <laughs> the libraries weren't filled with the the man in the iron mask and the three musketeers. What is now the man in the iron mask? I see they made a version of that with DiCaprio, um, a film version of that. Uh, that's basically about. Was he? I guess he was thrown into the Bastille. And they put the mask on him because basically because he was the twin of the the who was going to be the rightful ruler or the king or whatever. I don't know. I've never read the work. I never read it. Um, it's hard to read. Yeah, Dumas is hard to read. They do. Justin is saying Dumas is hard to read. Um, in any event, uh, folks, this is gonna we're gonna wrap up another episode here of our discussion with Michael Hitchborn on our Tuesdays from the Lepanto Institute. It's always a lively, great, uh, great discussion here, and you can go back into the archives at Crusade Max and at CrusadeChannel.com and go back and get years worth of Michael and I talking about this and lots of other great stuff. Interest is in intriguing stuff at crusademax.com all here with uh, Michael Hitchburn of the Lepanto Institute follow him on his website and sign up for his email newsletter update which you will receive every Friday and an invite to the video conference every Friday as well at l-e-p-a-n-t-o-i-n dot org lepanto i-n dot org uh, World Be Fruitful and Multiply Month is scheduled for March 2024. And I guess, uh, I wonder what date March the 25th falls on this year. What day of the week? That's a good question. I don't know. Well, if, if we can find out, that we can find out whether or not we can actually have the celebration day on March the 25th. There we go. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, we can. March 25th falls on a Monday. Okay, it's a Monday. Perfect. <laughs> Mark it, dude. Um, so Michael and I will start working on World Be Fruitful and Multiply Day. Uh, anything else you want to let the listeners know uh, about it's happening at Lepanto Institute? Well, we just sent out letters to every bishop in the country. Um, 
alert, giving them uh, sample reports from our report on Catholic Campaign for Human Development from last November. And the purpose of our letter was to let them know, hey, look, we've been trying to go through the channels to get a meeting with CCHD to talk to the current chairman of the CCHD, and we are being stonewalled on every level. Uh, and we want you to know exactly what we've found with regard to CCHD grantees. And um, if, if possible, maybe you can get us a meeting with uh, – CCHD so that we can show things. Uh, at the very least, maybe you can get them to publish their latest grants list, okay. which they owe everybody. Um, and in the meantime, it would be nice if you would not support CCHD until they stop funding groups like these. So, um, yeah, it was, it's, it's very interesting. Those letters went out last week. Uh, I know that they've all been delivered, so we're now just waiting to see if they if I get any responses. In the meantime, uh, yesterday we put out a um, we put out a new report, a new article it says Swedish Caritas member caught funding sexually deviant organization. Uh, you can check that out on our front page at lepantoin.org. All right, sounds good. Uh, until we meet again uh, two weeks from today, if not sooner, God bless you, your family, and uh, your work. And uh, we'll see you and uh, uh, see you. Thank you for today, and we'll see you and talk to you then. Roger that. God bless you. God bless your audience. Thank you very much. That's uh, Michael Hitchborn of the Lepanto Institute at L-E-P-A-N-T-O-I-N dot org.